Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. During the season of Christmas and Epiphany, we remember that Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us, and so we pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Bible says the grace of God has dawned upon the world through our Saviour Jesus Christ. And so in confidence and trust, we confess our sins. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, clothed in majesty, whose beloved Son was this day presented in the temple in substance of our flesh, grant that we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Thus says the Lord God, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The Gospel is from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. At our last Messy Church session, we thought about the theme of this service, the Feast of Candlemas, or to give it its proper title, the Presentation of Christ in the Temple. It brings the season of Epiphany to an end. We decorated candles, but our crafts also helped us, I hope, to ponder the hiddenness and the revelation in the Gospel story we've just heard. The way in which Simeon and Anna saw something that no one else in the temple that day did. My eyes have seen your salvation, says Simeon. But what does that mean? What does it look like for us? How do we see it or miss it? So at Messy Church we made paper snowdrops, those early signs of spring that are just coming into flower, which encourage us with the thought that winter won't last forever. They're known traditionally as candlemas bells. Blooming around this time, they're a reminder that the kingdom of God, God's saving, transforming power among us, is often seen in tiny, unassuming things. It's always a surprise, somehow, to see those little snowdrop shoots fighting their way up through the cold ground. And at Messy Church we made wax-resist pictures too. We drew with a candle on a white sheet of paper, 
and then we painted over it with watery paint. Miraculously, when you do this, the candle wax drawing appears. It was there all the time, of course, but it's only when you paint over it that you can see it. Well, it kept us all happy for an hour or so anyway. Hiddenness and revelation, seeing and not seeing, that's what's going on in our Gospel reading today. To understand it, perhaps we need to picture the place where it's set, the temple in Jerusalem. I don't know what comes into your mind when you think of places of worship, but if you're thinking of peaceful, calm spaces, then, well, it was nothing like that at all. We tend to forget that in the first century, Judaism centred around animal sacrifice. So did the worship of the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, the ancient Egyptians and the ancient Britons. To our ancient ancestors, that was at the heart of worship. It was pretty much the definition of worship. So the temple would have been full of the sounds and the sights and the smells as well of sheep and cattle and birds, of blood and guts. The concentric courtyards that made up the temple would have been full of people too, coming and going, young and old, male and female, Jew and Gentile, and they wouldn't have been sitting in, in reverent silence in rows. They came to debate and to argue, to listen to religious teachers and political leaders who gathered crowds around them in knots, whether the temple authorities liked it or, or they didn't. We find Jesus teaching like this several times later in the Gospel. The temple was where it all happened. All human life was there. It was a crowded, busy, noisy place. The little family that comes into the temple on this particular day are just faces in the crowd, clutching their two pigeons, the cheap option for this occasion. If you could afford it, you were supposed to bring a sheep, but Mary and Joseph were obviously too poor to be able to bring one. And there's nothing about them that singles them out, nothing at all. The baby Jesus doesn't glow in the dark, despite the way he's often painted. There were probably many other families in the temple on the same errand that day. Presenting your firstborn child in the temple with a sacrifice was something every Jewish family had to do, travelling from all over the country and beyond to fulfil this obligation. So how do Simeon and Anna know that this is the one, the one they and the whole nation have been waiting for? Have they got a system, a checklist to run through with any child they see? Do they man the gates every day between them? or put th people through messiahship tests? It would seem not, according to the Gospel. The only reason they pick Jesus out in this vast crowd, says the story, is that God reveals him. It's not something they do, it's something that God does. The action of God, revealing God's Son to them. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, we're told. He could have stayed in bed that day, but he didn't. Prompted by an inner voice, he'd obviously learned to recognise over long years of prayer. Anna, too, doesn't have any particular reason to acclaim this child rather than any of the others. But she does, with confidence, because God has revealed him to her, 
I wonder how that makes us feel. The apparent randomness of this story. Maybe we feel it isn't fair. Why did God choose Simeon and Anna and not someone else? Not me, for example. Perhaps it would be easier if we thought Jesus really did glow in the dark. At least we feel we'd have spotted him too. Or maybe it would be easier if there was something extraordinary about Simeon and Anna, some special superhuman power. That would let us off the hook, because how could we emulate them? Or maybe we prefer to think that this sort of thing could only happen somewhere else, to someone else, so we can get on with our lives undisturbed. But the story doesn't give us a reason why Simeon and Anna are chosen, or why Mary and Joseph are chosen, why the story happens in first century Judea, why Jesus comes to the temple on that particular day. And that's the point. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, says the Old Testament prophet Malachi. It's the word suddenly that I notice in that sentence. We may like to kid ourselves that we are or could be in control of life, but the reality is that often we're not. Things do suddenly show up in our lives. They may look like bad things, a health problem, an accident, an unexpected bereavement, a job loss. Frankly, the visitation Malachi prophesies about doesn't sound like a comfortable one, with all that purifying fire around. Or the things that suddenly turn up may look like good things, a new opportunity, new love, new life. But whichever they are, they're things we couldn't have predicted, things we couldn't have prevented, things we couldn't have engineered either. All we can do is to be open to God within them, to see them as holy moments, to see every moment as a holy moment when we might find God's salvation, as Simeon puts it. That's our part in this. There's a prayer I pray as I begin my personal morning prayers each day. It goes like this. I awake this morning in the presence of the holy angels of God. May heaven open wide before me and around me, that I may see Christ and his sunlit company in all the things of earth this day. I pray it to remind me to expect the unexpected, the things I can't control or plan for, but also to expect that in the unexpected, God will be present, however unlikely that seems. So this week, I wonder what you've got planned, what you're expecting, what's in your diary, and I wonder how that will compare to what actually happens like those wax-resist pictures we made at Messy Church, or the Candlemas Bell snowdrops that seem to come from nowhere with the promise of spring. I pray that in all the surprises of this week, whether they seem good or bad, we'll hear the voice of the Spirit calling us to look again, to see Christ and his sunlit company suddenly coming to us with grace and love and God's salvation. Amen. And so we bring our prayers to God, 
and we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, fill you with peace and goodwill, and make you partakers of the divine nature. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.